would please to the book of Romans. Praise God. Just checking my heart. I came to the pulpit with a sermon, but I, I told the Lord while I was getting ready. I've got a sermon ready, but if that's not what you have, Father God, I'm willing to throw it away and do something different. But I, I, I feel just since just teach the word tonight. So that's, that's what I'm going to do. Praise God. Uh, in Romans chapter 4, verse 16, we've looked at this. Uh, verse a couple of times. We're going to look at it again as we start tonight. And if you could put the Amplified Classic translation up onto the board for us to look at, Romans 4, 16. And it says, Therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith. That just speaks volumes to me. And depends entirely on faith. Amen? So that's the phrase that I wanted to start with tonight. It says that inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely upon faith. Faith is what you do to get into your life what Jesus bought and paid for. Faith is, in that sense, currency. Faith is what we bring to God in exchange for what he has for us. Go over to Hebrews chapter 11 for a moment. Hebrews chapter 11. And we'll look at verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance. Other translations say faith is, now faith gives substance. Amen. So faith will reach into the unseen realm of the spirit. And faith has a hand. And faith will reach into that unseen realm where all your provision and your blessings and the promises lie. Lay hold of your healing and your faith will give substance to that thing that you hope for. Faith gives substance. Faith is how you're going to bring about into reality, into this three-dimensional world, the divine protection, the wisdom, the guidance, the healing, the strength, the finances, everything that God has promised you must be appropriated by faith. I mean, the farmers and uh, the trucking industry and the packaging companies, and there's an entire system and supply chain from growth to manufacturing to shipping The stores have been built, the parking lot, the doors, the lights, everything's been provided, but you still, you don't even have to do that now. You can have it ordered and delivered, but you know, you still got to lay hold of your groceries. Amen. You still have to do something to get them to appear on your doorstep or in your cabinet, however you're going to do that. Amen. And so what God has done for all of us in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Everything belongs to everyone. He gave all so that we could all have all. But it's up to you and I to appropriate those things by faith. You know, don't just assume that you're going to live a long time because you know of some scriptures that indicate you could or that God wants you to. Are you mixing your faith with what the Word says about long life? Amen. There's a fine line between faith and presumption and we who come into the knowledge of the Bible and the word of God we can can get into this deception that because 
I see it's there, it's going to happen in my life automatically. It's not. Everything you see in the Word of God is a faith assignment. Now, I don't do it every day, but it's, it's frequent that you'll hear if you were a fly on the wall around me, Father, I thank you that with long life you satisfy me. With long life you satisfy me and you show me your salvation. I'm living long and strong. Amen. My flesh is as fresh as a child's. I'm returning to the days of my youth. Amen. It doesn't take long to say it. But you, you gotta, that's how faith is released, is by saying it. Anyway, I don't want to go down that trail. So we see here that the inheriting of any promise is the outcome of faith. A promise coming to pass in your life is not the outcome of God deciding to shine His favor on you that day. Got kind of quiet, amen? Uh, it's it's uh, something good coming to pass from the Word of God in your life is not the outcome of God's sovereign choice. If it happens, it'll be because you or somebody for you believed something. Amen? You know, when I was preserved and, and kept safe and supernaturally delivered as a 15-year-old in that car accident where the car flipped four times, I wasn't living for God. I was rebelling against the command of my mother. <laughs> I certainly was not standing on faith scriptures. Amen. And so I've asked people, how come God to do that for me? How, how come? How come God was able to do that for me when my cousin by marriage had a lesser accident and died? How come? Well, people who know uh, some of these things, like Dr. Jacobs, I asked him that question. He said, uh, because I said, it, you know, perhaps it was just the mercy of God. One day he knew I would say yes, and because of the call of God on my life, he preserved me. He said, no. <laughs> he said, no. Somebody, somewhere, prayed and believed God. I said, well, it wasn't my mama. She wasn't born again. I don't think it was my daddy, you know. He loves God, but I don't, he's not one to intercede in the middle of the night. I don't, he said, I don't care if it's somebody on another continent somewhere picked you up. Wow. See, for, for God to be able to have his way, either you or somebody for you is going to have to believe God. Right. Amen. 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 So the emphasis on faith is never wasted. Right. Amen. Amen. Let's go again to Galatians chapter 5 and, and move forward here with some things I have in my heart to teach you about faith. Galatians chapter 5. You know pastor, right? He likes good amens. And you're, Amen. you're, you're doing good. You're doing good. Praise the Lord. It helps me. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 6. And again, I'm going to read this from the Amplified Translation. It says, for, Paul's writing, For if we in Christ Jesus, if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. Now that's just... King James, that's just biblical language. It's an analogy Paul's using. Circumcision was a sign of being a Hebrew, being Jewish. Amen? Uncircumcision is just a biblical world word to describe a Gentile, someone who's not Jewish. So really he's just saying here it doesn't matter if we're in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter if we're a Jew or a Gentile. That doesn't count for anything. But only faith activated energized, expressed, and working through love. Amen. King James says, faith worketh 
by love. Faith works by love. Faith works through love. Amen. 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 So just to review again, so I said uh, last Wednesday night, that, uh, or the last time we met, that if faith works by love, then faith won't work without it. Faith will not work if divine... Now, the, the word love here is agape. There's different kinds of love. The Bible has several different Greek words to describe the different kinds of love, like friendship, uh, physical passion, all these different forms of love, right? But this is agape. This is divine love, the God kind of love. Faith works by that. Look at how the amplifier. Faith is activated when divine love is present. One of the words is it's expressed. So for faith to work properly, it's even the expression of faith is in love. There's love connected to the expression of real faith. Amen? So you can't express real faith and be ticked off. You can't express real, the flow of real faith and be, you know, perturbed, irritated, frustrated. Now, you can, you can recognize this is my natural self and then set that aside and tap into your heart, right? But I want you to see here, uh, real faith is activated, it's energized, it's expressed, and it works through love. So if, if you uh, want me to show you, if I were to show you real faith at work, love will be there. Love will be in that. Love will be connected to it. And faith will not work. That's what I want to drive into you. Faith will not work if your love walk is not properly in place. Amen. Amen. Look at, uh, now let's look at a different scripture we didn't look at. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. And it says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad, now notice this, in our hearts. In our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. Have you ever thought that both faith and love are of the heart? Both faith and love are forces that flow from the heart. We won't turn, well, you're just right here. You go to Romans 10. Not going to take you any time. Flip over to Romans 10 and look at verse 10. Be reminded. You'll see what I'm saying here. Romans 5, 5 says, So the love of God has been shed abroad or distributed into the heart of every believer. Do you know that you have... God's very own divine supernatural love in you now if you're born again. When you and I got born again, we not only received the measure of faith imparted to our heart, His love came into our heart. Amen? Amen? So I don't care who you're dealing with, what they've done to you, we can love all people as God does. And you want to talk about a ministry, you know, lifting the standard. That's the standard. We're not to love each other with a natural human love. Natural human love will turn to irritation and frustration at the the top of a hat, right? Amen. Natural human love will turn to hatred in a moment, in an instant. 
Amen. But not divine love, not God's love. Jesus was hanging on the cross, just about to give up the ghost and die and found the strength to look upon the ones who nailed him there and said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's love. That is love. And you and I have that love in our hearts. Romans 5, 5 says so. Amen. But look at here in Romans 10, 10, it says, for with the what? For with the heart, man believes. I'm going somewhere quickly here. So with the heart, man believes. So both faith and love are matters of the heart. They flow forth from the spirit. Here's what I want you to see. If, you've, if, you're, if you don't have, if you're not yielding to the divine love that's in your heart, it's going to contaminate your heart. And it's going to put a monkey wrench in the flow of faith, which also comes from your heart. Faith and love don't work independently of each other. So for faith to flow effectively out of my spirit, my spirit, the factory of faith, must be in proper condition. And the foundation of that, the dominant characteristic of that is love. God is love. And this is one of the reasons why many who have been taught some of the principles about faith and how faith works and how faith operates, it's frustratingly uh, unfruitful for them. It doesn't seem to work for them. If they would just see, if they would focus on the love side, if they would make an adjustment in their heart, if they would get themselves right in some key relationships, if they would change their attitude about some things and begin not only to develop uh, revelation knowledge of the Word and uh, confessing the Word and writing the Word on the heart and planting the Word in our heart, all of the things that a faith person knows to do, Amen. We, we've now, now you need to know and understand or be reminded at least that you can't do all that and be a jerk. And be mean. And be bitter. And carry a grudge. And be selfish. And be all the things that divine love isn't. Your faith will not work. Your faith won't work. Go over to Proverbs chapter 4 with me feel like a little bit like my wife tonight. She's running the scriptures pretty good last time she was up. <clears throat> that is good. Amen. Proverbs chapter 4. You know this verse. Proverbs 4 verse 23. Proverbs 4 verse 23. Mark this verse if you're turning to it. You don't have it marked. It says, keep thy heart with all diligence. Did you see that? Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it... Or for out of the heart are the issues of life. Amen. Listen to this in a couple different translations. The Lexham English translation says it this way. With all vigilance, keep your heart. The word keep means guard. Guard your heart. For from it comes the source of life. So... 
There is a wellspring. There is a portal, if you will, a gateway through which divine things spring forth and get into your life. And that gateway, that portal is through your heart. And the condition of your heart matters greatly. Matters much. That's why the proverb writer says, with all diligence, guard or keep your heart, for from it comes the source of life. The Amplified says it this way, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance. And above all that you guard, above all that you guard. How many of you, moms and dads, you, you lock your doors every night? Check, check. Yeah. Amen. And right? Uh, some of you, we, can, we country folks, even city folks now got safes. Yeah. Amen. I have one. Why do we do that? We're guarding some things. We're, we're guarding some things. Well, above all that you guard, you password protect your accounts. Above all that you guard, above all that you protect, protect your heart. Protect your heart. Amen. For out of it, out of your heart, flow the springs of life. One more of these, Proverbs 4.23 in the New Living Translation says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Your heart, not your external circumstances, not the economy, not your genes, Right? I mean, think that I think the doctors, God bless them, they're doing what they do. They do a real disservice to people. Say, well, you know, that runs in your family. It's a genetic thing. Well, the Bible says that we have been regenerated. It does in Titus? It says in the new birth we have been regenerated. I literally believe you do it. I'll be like Randall Gurr. You do with it what you want. I'm not puppymatic about it. I'm puppy, whatever. Uh, I believe the new birth has affected me all the way down to my DNA, all the way down to my chromosomes. Amen. That's the way I believe about it. Amen. I've got divine life. You do too. Amen. And that divine life wants to spill out into your flesh, into your soul, into your mind, into your mannerisms, into your character. That's what Paul meant when he says, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. He didn't say work to get saved. That's not what he meant. He means work out that inward salvation into all the other parts of your being. Anyway, back to this. Above all that you guard, guard your heart because it determines the course of your life. Now, again, connect this with your faith life. Faith is the only way the word of God says that you can please God. And it's the only way that you can appropriate any of his promises. The inheriting the promises, the outcome of faith depends entirely on faith. And faith is the flow of your heart. And your love walk is going to determine to a great degree what kind and quality of heart you have. Many people's faith is not producing, not laying hold, not bringing anything of the promises into reality because they're missing it. Some way, somehow, in this love area. It is so paramount in our homes that we cultivate a flow and a culture of love in our homes. Amen? Amen? It is, you, you, you need your faith, guys. 
All the, the militaries are crumbling. The institutions are crumbling. The government is corrupt. I, and I don't, I just, I'm not going to pick on anything there. I'm just saying the institutions, the medical world, the financial world, it's all Babylon. It's all coming down. It's all crumbling. Amen? And so running to lean on the arms of the flesh like we've done for so long is going to become scarce. You, you never should have done that anyway. Amen. You need your faith. You need your faith to work. You need your, you need your faith to be able to lay hold of healing and protection and to be able to get the angels to work. And how about faith in who you are in Christ? Faith in the authority that has been given to you. Amen. You're going to have to push back in this day and hour against the devil. I know he's putting pressure. I know he's trying to oppress. I know he's trying to wear you out. He's trying to wear me out. Listen, I got all kinds of things I'm facing right now. This is the way I'm going to be, though. You're going to push back on me, devil. I'm going to push harder. You're going to mess with me. I'm going to put it on you. But see, I've developed at least a small degree of faith in the authority that God has given to me. But even having revelation of all these things, if I get in strife with my wife, faith won't work. My faith won't work. You're wasting your time on all of those confessions. (laughs) You better get it right with your spouse. Amen. Better get yourself right in how you interact with your employer. Amen. I don't care who they are, what they've done for you, you know, done to you, passed you over, how, whatever. On your side, you need your faith to work. I love what Dr. Dufresne, Pastor Nancy used to tell us. They would say, okay, husband, once, before you get into that argument, before you decide to throw down, ask yourself, do I have enough money in the bank to fund this strife? Remember that? Right? Because strife will cut prosperity off. Strife is a prosperity blessing killer. So before you decide, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, whoever, to decide to get in your flesh and get in strife, ask yourself, do you have enough health to fund that strife? Do you have enough money in the bank to fund that strife? Because the flow of divine finances is not coming your way when you're fussing and fighting. That's, right. Amen. That's not love. Love doesn't fuss and fight. Amen. Love is sweet. Love is kind. Love is patient. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. And love is kind and sweet while it's being patient. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go over to Mark 11. Oh, yeah. Mark 11. Let's go over there. Getting serious now, huh? Getting down to it now. Mark 11. Praise him. Mark 11. So begin, of course, reading with me in verse 23. Jesus says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt, notice this, in his heart. Faith is of the heart, not the head. But shall believe, where? In his heart. That those things which he says or saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. I love that. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Amen. Amen. 
You can't want one thing, talk contrary to it, and get what you want. You got to talk what you want, talk what you believe. Say it the way you want it, not the way it is. Say it the way you want it, not the way it is. Amen. Then he said, therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now we shout at that. We rejoice at that. My life has been changed. This is how I live. Not only in these two verses, but these two verses encapsulate so much of how I do what I do. Amen. How I get where I get. How to go where I go. Amen. How to live how I live. Amen. Praise God. And you've, you all have discovered this too. But listen, he didn't stop right there. He's not done talking at the end of verse 24. Look at verse 25. And when you stand praying, forgive. Uh-oh. When you stand praying, or you could say it this way, when you're actively using your faith, forgive. Amen. If you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. For if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now I have some things to say about that, but why I wanted you to see first and foremost is, is here again we see faith and love connected. I didn't see the word love in there. Love forgives. Love forgives. Love doesn't forgive uh, three days after it happened. Love forgives. It's quick to forgive. Love forgives and it doesn't keep bringing it up. Well, I forgave you, but you remember? You remember when you did that? No, that's not. <laughs> Amen. You'll have the memory of what was done, but if you've really forgiven, you don't keep bringing it up. You let that thing go. Let that thing die. Amen. But I want you to see here that in the most amazing, insightful, revelatory words on the subject of faith ever spoken, it's connected with the love walk. Included is the love walk. Amen. You with me? So it's paramount that we that part of our love walk is that we're, we're walking in forgiveness. You know, it's important that you don't let people get inside you. Don't let people get inside you. And I will confess, that's not always easy. Right? That's not always easy. It's what is easy is to take home with you what they said and what they did and how you're going to, and then you're going to marinate in that and you're going to plot and you're going to scheme and then you're going to start telling people about who they are and what they did and how can you believe what Brother Russell said or, you know. <laughs> Amen. 
And, and Dr. Dufresne, he would tell me, he would say as a pastor, he said, pastors, you cannot let people get inside you. Amen. And one of the ways you let someone get inside you is to get angry and stay angry. To get bitter and stay bitter. To get offended and stay offended. To get hurt and stay hurt. And we can't keep people from hurting us. It's going to happen. We can't keep people from doing things that will offend us. Amen. But we don't have to engage the trap of offense. We don't have to take the bait. If we are offended, it's because we chose to be. No one can make you be offended. We are responsible people. Amen. And so, you know, I don't know if this helps you. I hope it does. But when I find I've let them and what they did or how they acted, you know, I uh, it, just to, I guess, tell off on myself a little bit is it's, it's just like it goes over in my mind again and just over in my mind and I'm trying to get away from it. So I leave the house and go up to the barn and I get up to the barn and that thing is with me at the barn. And I say, you know what? I'm going to start the tractor. May have drowned that out, but it's with me. It's with what they did and what they said. It's, it's with me on the tractor. So I got to get off the tractor and I'm going to run, maybe take a hot shower, but it's with me in the shower. It's with you because you, you know, you're running that. And I'm like, and so you walk around. There's been times in my life where I'm walking around and I'm saying, stop it. My, quit it. Stop it. Stop thinking about that. I mean, it's like it's over. It's done. It's been dealt with. Everybody's been harmonized. But there's something working on you. It wants to take root on the inside of you. It wants to get into your heart to monkey up the works of your spiritual life, your effectiveness, your faith. And I will not allow my faith to be contaminated. I will not. Amen. Even if, even if a relationship ends, I, I, I'm not going to let that monkey up the works of my faith. Your faith is too important. Amen. Go back to Hebrews with me. Go to chapter 12 this time. You know, many, well, let me say this. There is a percentage of Christians who are sick because they're bitter. There is a percentage of Christians, this makes you real popular, but it's, I'm just trying to help people. There's a percentage of Christians out there who are sick because they're bitter. And uh, so look at this. It says some. Um, Read with me, begin in verse 13 of chapter 12. It says, and make straight paths for your feet. Who's going to do it? You're going to do it. Lest that which is lame, that's an injury, be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man will see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, 
lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Now, the Greek definition for this word defiled means to be poisoned. And somewhere along the line in my life, I heard a doctor say that's exactly what cancer is to the body. Now, I am not saying that if you ever deal with a cancer somewhere, that it's because you're bitter. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying... I don't want to be defiled in any, by anything physically. Notice it talks about, uh, well, I didn't read verse 12. Look, I should have read verse 12. Look at verse 12. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Look at this. Hands that hang down and feeble, weak knees. This is describing an infirm, weak person. Right? It's describing someone bent over weak. Their hands are hanging down. They are losing their strength. And it says in the aftermath of that, make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. How? By following peace with all men. He didn't say uh, glucosamine. He didn't say take some glucosamine for your feeble knees. Now that's fine. That's a natural thing the body needs. You should do that. But there are spiritual reasons for... ...passage, what he points to, to reverse having hands that hang down in feeble knees, is to make straight paths for your feet... And he points to your interactions with people. If you want to walk in health, you've got to be right toward people. That means you're not a candidate for road rage. That's just not you. You've got a hold of yourself. You've so developed the love of God, you're no longer that person putting holes in sheetrock. You don't throw things anymore when you're angry. You don't curse. You don't use foul language. You don't blow your top and have a hissy fit in front of your mate. Right? You get a hold of yourself. You calm down. You yield to the love of God. You're angry, but you don't sin. And you're doing all of this with this extra motivation, with this knowledge of, I need my faith to work. Listen, I'm talking about me right now. I'm believing for miracles and millions. That just lets you into my world. I'm believing for miracles and millions, not just for me. I'm okay with millions. You're not. That's okay. I just don't get offended with me when they show up. But millions for the work of God. Millions for the vision. Millions for the men. Miracles for people. I am believing for miracles and millions. And I cannot afford to let some petty argument to rob me of my faith. Amen. I'm gearing up to run and run and run 
in the plan of God. I'm, I'm gearing up to run. I'm going to accelerate to the finish. But I need my body healthy to do that. Amen. I need my mind sound. Praise God. I need the doors shut to the devil. And so I'm just trying to say things in different ways to get us to realize that you need your faith. Faith works, but it won't work without love. It won't. And love forgives. I said love forgives. Amen. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. And we are going to make mistakes. And so we need to be quick to say, honey, I'm sorry. Amen. And if you... If your flesh is just resisting that, I'm trying to give you extra fuel. Moda, get that done for the very purpose, amen, of getting your faith back functional. Amen. So you can get your faith back functional. Amen. Glory to God. Let's go to, I think, our last passage here. Go to Matthew 18. And we'll read this to you here, and then I want to tell you a story. Maybe Reverend Grill rub off on me. I loved his stories. Matthew 18. <clears throat> yeah. Then verse 32 is where we'll be. When I was um, with uh, some of the pastors taking a few days of recreation in Montana, we drove into Wyoming one day and explored part of Yellowstone. And so really all we we drove a lot. We'd get out of the car and see things, but we drove a lot. And we just, it was a wonderful time of just talking about spiritual things. And we got to talking about faith works by love. And we got to talking about issues related to unforgiveness and stories that we've heard, different accounts of how this has played out in people's lives. And Pastor Dennis uh, told this story, and I had heard this story before. But Rodney Howard Brown, he's in heaven now, but his ministry is very large in evan- doing evangelistic crusades, especially in the, on the continent of Africa. Well, some years ago, he was there doing a crusade in some country in Africa, and there were hundreds of thousands of people at this thing. Well, uh, there was an, an African pastor, a man, an African pastor and his wife that pastored in that country. And just before the crusade started, this African pastor died. Uh, the husband. So he died. Well, the wife, being a woman of faith, uh, did not accept that. She just decided to say that's not the end of this story. So rather than taking her husband to the morgue, her family and some other prayer people loaded him up and took him, took his body to the crusade. They took, the, they took him to the crusade. Now, the, uh, Reverend Reinhard Bonnke ha- apparently had this side tent that he would put, like Oral Roberts would use it, Reinhard Bonnke. I said Rodney Howard Brown? Well, I meant Reinhard Bonnke. Thank you for straightening me out. Reinhardt Bonnke. Yeah. And uh, so they had this side tent where they put critical cases. Well, anyway, they, they put this man's dead body in there. 
And the family and the wife and other prayer people began to pray. I don't know how long it took, but this husband, this is several days later from the death, revived. Came back to life, was raised from the dead, and told this story. He said, and with relief you could not describe, being revived. He said he had this encounter in death. Instead of going up at death, he went down. He descended down toward the gates of hell. Instead of going in through the gates of hell, Jesus appeared there. And said, he's coming, you know, people are praying, and you're going back to the earth. But he said to the pastor, pastor, he said to the pastor, had they not done this, this would be your eternal home. This would be your fate. And of course, the pastor did exactly what I would have done. He protested. No, no, that cannot be Jesus. That cannot be Jesus. I'm a, I believe in you. I, I, I'm a pastor. I preach your word. This, that cannot be. And Jesus said, and he pointed back to a few days before his death. You and your wife, I heard you and your wife. Jesus said, I heard you and your wife in the kitchen and you had a fight. You had an argument. And you said out of your mouth, I will never forgive my wife. Now, I, don't, I, I want to get this exactly what Jesus said. Pastor Dennis quoted it to me. I asked him to send me this story this afternoon. He graciously did. Pastor said, no, no, I'm a pastor. I'm born again. Then the Okay, I was wrong. He said it was an angel there, not Jesus. So I want to get that corrected. So he said it's an angel, not Jesus. The angel told him and declared, you would not forgive your wife for a wrong. Then the angel said, it's a matter of sowing and reaping. You cannot sow unforgiveness toward men and reap forgiveness from God. I'm going to say that again. The angel said to him, it's a matter of sowing and reaping. You cannot sow unforgiveness toward men and reap forgiveness from God. I just want to implore you before I let you go tonight. You need to forgive every person of everything. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision you make, is an act of your will, and forgiveness is accomplished with your words. Even if that person is dead and gone and you can't get to them, you say out loud, as an act of my will, I choose, I forgive that person. I forgive them, let heaven record, I forgive. Every person of everything. Dr. Jacobs took it a step further. He said, I've, I know people tomorrow are going to irritate me, so I forgave them in advance. He said, I've forgiven people in the past, in my present, and I know there's going to be people out there in the future who are going to do me wrong, do me dirty, and irritate the fire out of me, so I forgive them in advance. Smart. Smart. Pay attention. Amen. Now, do we have chapter and verse that would substantiate that story? We do. I already read to you Mark chapter 11. 
He said, if you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you yours. Now, if you want to ask a theological question, I'll ask it and you figure it out. Can you go to heaven with unforgiven sin? Well, if you want to roll the dice and hold on to a grudge, you, you go ahead, but I, I'm not. Amen. Praise the Lord. Jesus said, if you don't forgive any that you might have ought against, including yourself. He said, if you have ought against any, that would include yourself. Amen. That neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. So that's a witness from the word. Here's another witness from the word. In Matthew 18, you have this parable. And I'm just going to summarize it for time's sake. But there's this man who owed a rich man a debt so large, you couldn't pay it off in three lifetimes. And the king who lent this man this debt came to collect, and he couldn't pay. And so the man who owed the debt fell down on his feet and begged for mercy and for more time and that he would do his best to pay the debt. And the Bible says that this king, this lender, looked upon the man with compassion and mercy and forgave the debt. Now, this is a parable. It's a story with a meaning. Amen? We're not just talking about finances here. And so he forgave the debt. And you remember what happened now. This very same guy that just received this miracle of mercy went down the road and found a guy who owed him five bucks. I'm paraphrasing. And demanded that the man pay him. You're already wrong. You should have just said, he can have it. He can have it. Who else owes me something? But that wasn't his heart. And the Bible says he demanded payment of the man, and the man did the same thing he did. He fell down before him and said, please, sir, if you'll give me a little time, give me some mercy, I will pay you all the debt. Instead, he grabbed the man by the throat and committed him to prison until the debt was paid. News gets back to the king of what the man had done. And let's pick up the parable in verse 32. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said to him, O oh, you wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because you desired me. You wanted that. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant even as I had pity on you? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So that's the parable. The summary of the parable is the next verse. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if you from your heart forgive not every one of their brother their trespasses. It's a heavy, but it's in there. So likewise, like the story illustrates, he said, will my heavenly Father do to you? What did he do? What did this guy in the story do? 
He took what was forgiven and reinstated it. What he was once proclaimed innocent and free from, he came under the guilt and penalty again. And he was turned over to tormentors, a word to describe demons. So if you want to be bitter, resentful, offended, touchy, and unforgiving, you're going to get touched by demons. You're going, to be end, you're going to end up being a tormented person. It's not worth it. You don't know what they did to me. No, maybe not. But I, I, care, about, I, I care about you. I can't help that. But what about you? So we have two witnesses from Jesus that indicate that the story about the African pastor has some merit. He, he preached God's word. He was a bona fide converted Christian who died and was on his way to hell because he got hot and bothered about something his wife did and declared out of his mouth from his heart, I will not forgive. I don't mean to put anything heavy on you. <laughs> my, my goal in this message was I want your faith to work. I want your faith to work. But even more than that, I want to see you in heaven. <laughs> I, want to, I want to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb with, with you. Amen? So bow your head before we let you go tonight. Do some business with God if you need to. Is there anyone in your life, anyone in your sphere, that you have not forgiven? Praise God. Forgiving them doesn't mean that you're saying that what they did was justified or okay. It doesn't mean that you have to go back and be buddy-buddy with them either. Forgiveness is for you. It's an action. It's an expression of divine love. God has forgiven me, Chris Cody, so much. Who am I to hold up? ill will or hurt feelings toward anyone. So let's say this together. Say, Father God, I come to you tonight with an open heart, with all sincerity. You said to forgive if I have aught against any. So let heaven record. Let the angels take note. I forgive every person of everything from my past, in my present, and on into my future. I forgive. Furthermore, Father, I forgive myself for where I've missed it, where I've fallen short. By faith, I forgive. I'll no longer hold that thing against me, against myself. I release it. I let it go. It's over now. I'm walking in love. So my faith works. I'm ready to lay hold 
ready to receive. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you can stand to your feet tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Should the Lord let me, I want to get into...